God is good in healing through his providence, Luke. And God would still, God would still be good if God did not decide to heal Luke and he would have went home. I admit it would have been a lot harder for me to say that, but he is still good. God is defined as good and worthy of praise because that is who he is. His nature, his character, the triune God is worthy of praise. He is good. So today we turn back to Acts chapter 2. Hopefully finishing Acts chapter 2 today, I confess that... uh, application and implications from the text have been kind of overwhelming in my sermons lately and I um, ask for your patience with me as I am trying to find that balance still of uh, just telling you what the text is and and then also giving you implications and applications and hopefully not uh, stretching or going too far into application wanting you to know the truth and allow the spirit to work within your heart to apply things the proper way uh, and I am, I am endeavoring to do that in a way that would honor the Lord. Uh, but hopefully we'll get more than one verse done today. Okay? So in Acts chapter 2, we've began to see the fruit of the gospel. We're making our way through Acts chapter 2. We're seeing the birth of the church. We're seeing the fruit of the gospel taking hold of the hearts of God's people. We are seeing the new covenant established and begin to produce fruit. The fruit of the Spirit's indwelling presence was everywhere. The last couple of times we were in Acts chapter 2, we saw the broken conviction over sin in verse 37. True brokenness because the Spirit took the word of God and the gospel and penetrated the hearts of those men that, and, and people that were there Uh, watching and listening to Peter as he preached boldly. And second, we saw the bold exhortations to turn to Christ from Peter as he continued to call them to repent and be saved from this perverse generation, verses 38 to 40. Third, we saw the bona fide conversions by a large number of people, that is the genuine, the true conversions as people received the gospel and believed in Christ and were baptized. And finally, we saw the boundless devotion to spiritual disciplines by the believers. In verse 42, remember two weeks ago, we spent a whole week just looking at these spiritual disciplines of a a true convert and a, a fellowship that is focused on Christ and His glory. They were constantly devoting themselves to the Word of God given by the apostles, and they were continuously devoted to fellowship with one another in Christ. And they were regularly devoted to the Lord's Supper and the breaking of bread. And they were persistently devoted to praying together always. Now today, we're going to look at the next two results of the gospel being applied to the early church by the Holy Spirit. And we come to the fifth fruit. We see the authentic, the authentic worship over God's revelation of Himself in verse 43. Notice in verse 43 it says, Everyone kept feeling a sense 
sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. I thought it providential that I would be teaching on signs and wonders today in a perfect time. Because after all, if there was one week we could say that it appears that a miracle has taken place, it would be this week, correct? Many of you in the room and many of you have said it to me and I've even maybe even used that term miracle this week. But I want to take it back. I want to take the word miracle back out of my vocabulary there. Let me tell you why. Because God did work in a great way and providentially he did heal my son. But it was not a biblical miracle like a sign and wonder here. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit as we look at this and distinguish the two because I want you to understand this. I think it's very important for us to understand the distinction. Why is it important? Well, because it's glorious. And I'll tell you in a second why and you'll see as we go along why. But I'm convinced that we will awe and worship God just as much as they did. See, when I read this the first couple of times, I thought to myself, can we awe and worship God like they did in that first church? Can we worship them the same? Can we worship God the same? And I would argue, yes. But because of a different expression of God's glory. Not the exact same way. Not the same thing he did, but in a very similar. So let's look at this and develop this a little bit. When the people in Acts chapter 2 recognized who God was and what he had done and what he was doing, fear of God came over them. What makes a person awe God? What makes a person fear God? What makes a group of people worship God? Well, ladies and gentlemen, genuine worship is not self a self-creation. We can't drum up worship. Genuine worship is a response produced by a recognition of the glory of God. Very important, get that. Genuine worship is a response produced by a recognition of the glory of God. This is what happened in the early church. They recognized who God was, and they worshipped Him for it. They were in fear of Him, they awed Him. The early church had, much, had what much of the professing church today is lacking. The early church had a healthy fear of God. It says there, awe, it should be translated fear. In, in a sense, fear came upon all or every person. The verse literally translated, and fear came upon every soul. Why was there fear? The answer is because they were coming to know more and more of the depth of the glory of God. And as they started to understand fully who He was through the gospel, and through what God was doing through these apostles, and as they saw that the new covenant was starting to be shown, they awed God. They feared God. They worshipped God. Beloved, true worship is not something we can drum up or inspire by our own power of persuasion. Genuine worship comes as a response to a revelation of God, not 
a human sales job or a power of positive thinking seminar. Yes, we can make emotional responses from people. But this does not mean it's the same as the fear of God in the early church. Do you understand, ladies and gentlemen, I was a salesman for seven years. I could make you hoop and holler over selling a vacuum cleaner. But that's not genuine worship. I could make you hoop and holler about God right now. I could get your emotions going. I'm sure of it. We are powerful in our way we communicate with one another. Can you make somebody cry? Absolutely. But that does not mean that it's genuine awe of God, fear of Him. True worship comes when you recognize the glory of God. You understand how big and how powerful He is, and you go, Wow, God, you are big. It's a response to Him. Listen, my friends, we can play loud music. We can turn the lights down low. We can repeat the same words of a praise song seven, seven words 11 times over. But true worship comes from a recognition of the glory of God. Who He is and what He's done. And we get this revelation today primarily from the Word of God. Get that. The Bible. That's how we know Him. That's how we experience Him. That's how we enjoy Him. And that's how we worship Him. Friends, today worship happens as God illumines our minds to His glory revealed in the Word of God. During the early church, God's glory was revealed by the apostles speaking the Word of God. And God also revealed Himself with many wonders and signs being accomplished by the apostles. So, can we worship God like these believers as a result of our circumstances today? Can we look at our circumstances and be worshipful towards God? Well, absolutely we can. But listen closely. I worship God this week and His work in the circumstances. We worship God because we knew God in His providence provided Mercy for Luke. But how do we know that it was God and His providence doing this? The Scriptures. The Scriptures said it. I couldn't just claim He was healed from my own understandings. I couldn't say that it was God's providence that did this unless I had the Scriptures. Do you understand, ladies and gentlemen, people come out all the time, all the time and say, God healed somebody. They say it all the time. It was a miracle. And they are all kinds of different religions. Do you understand that? Many people come out and say that God did this miracle and did this. And there are all kinds of different religions. But ladies and gentlemen, that was not God, their God, healing them. If they have not submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ because He is the way, the truth, and the life, they are giving credit to their false God Something God did in His providence. It's a wild thought, but it's something you need to meditate on. Many people prayed for us this week. Many people cried out to God. But that doesn't mean every one of them were crying out to the same God. 
And there was only one God that healed him through his providence. And it was the only true God of the Bible. Do you understand? We worship God because we know God is in providential, sovereign control of everything. Every molecule and every blood vessel in your head. Every speck of blood, every drop of blood that runs through your vein is in the sovereign control of our God. We worship Him for that. We worship Him for His mercy. Did I have the gift of healing? Did I lay my hands on Him and proclaim Him healed in the name of Jesus? No, I did not. I don't have that gift of healing. Ladies and gentlemen, if I had that gift of healing, I would have done it right away. Wouldn't have let him get the shots in his arm and he wouldn't have spokes all over his hands. Brothers and sisters, I saw the doctor's picture when the surgeon went in or he did it vascularly through the blood vein. I saw the pictures when he got to the spot, he took a picture and the aneurysm was bigger than what it was. In four days, it had already grown. It was bigger. And when he was finished, he took another picture. And guess what? It was gone. The doctor showed us the before and after picture. Guess what? Luke was healed. But how? Providentially. God used the hands of that surgeon to accomplish a great thing. All of his study, all of his time in that classroom... All of the things that he had done, all the mistakes he had made previously, all of those things God used. It was divinely working. The question is, is how was he healed? He was healed by God's sovereignty working in the hands of the surgeons. It is not the same as the miracles of the Bible, the signs and wonders. But it is ultimately God who did it. And get that. Please get that. I'm not stealing from God what he did. I'm exalting God for what he did. The distinction is crucial. God still heals. But he chooses to heal through the hand of his providence. That's how he does it. And by the way, sometimes he chooses not to heal by his providence. And again, he's still good. Either way, we were fishing yesterday, and thank God, right? In His providence, we went fishing and caught nothing. (laughs) And absolutely grateful for it. All the fish swam by our live shrimp and said, nope, we're not going to bite that. And that was part of God's plan. And we're okay with that. Because God is God, and He does whatever He pleases. But we were going, and right before we stopped in to get some bait, and we were talking to the lady behind the counter to get some bait, and I said, you see that little boy over there? He had an aneurysm this week, and now he's going fishing today. And God did a great work in his head through the doctor's hands to accomplish a great thing. She said, my father died of an aneurysm a couple years back.
What did I say to her? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I hope you find peace and joy in Christ. God loves you. Sorry. His hand is good, whatever he chooses. And we awe God today, don't we? Just like they did. Listen to me. Wayne Grudem defines providence this way. You need to write it down. This is what we awe God over. Providence is the doctrine that God is continually involved with all created things in such a way that he, one, keeps them existing and maintaining the properties with which he created them. Two, cooperates with created things in every action, directing their distinctive properties to cause them to act as they do. Three, and he directs them to fulfill his purposes. There you go. Why do we all God today? Why do we worship God and they worship God? Because God is in providential control. And we see a better or a, a different aspect of his glory. Can God work supernaturally to break, super, or do what nature doesn't uh, quote-unquote allow? Can he break the laws of nature? Absolutely he can. And they worshipped him for it because they were doing signs and wonders. But guess what? He also works within nature in a miraculous way to accomplish all of his purposes. All that we do, all that we think, every action, every decision we make, everything you do right now, every thought you have is under God's providence. Everything. Do you understand? Everybody raise your hand. God providentially decreed for you to raise your hand and put it down. Everything. Where you are, God is in providential control of everything. And so what do we do? We are God. God, you're big. Nothing happens outside of his care. Everything is working to fulfill his purpose. He's all about glorifying himself, and I'm okay with that. How about you? God uses human means to accomplish his will today. Literally, he cooperates with the created things in every action, directing their distinctive properties to cause them to act as they do. He accomplishes this in every single detail of his plan and every single person on the earth. Do you understand how mind-boggling that is? Seven billion people on the earth, and he is working in every single person and every single action that's happening right now all the time. Is God big? He's bigger than our concepts. We can't even fathom how big he is. In many ways, this should cause us to worship him even more, correct? And as for me and my house, we're going to serve and worship this God more. Now, our fear of God does not come because of one single sign or wonder. It comes because we know he's in sovereign control of every detail. Now, we know he could. But our fear of God comes 
from our right understanding of his great sovereign work in his entire creation. God is intimately aware and active in every single detail of the creation, from crying babies to doctor's hands to goats on a mountain somewhere where we can't see feeding on a hill to even the largest stars out in the universe. Everything is under his providential hand and it does whatever he pleases all the time. He's big, isn't he? Let's worship him. He's in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. So awe God. By the way... God has also ordained for our prayers to move his sovereign hand. I know some of you are saying, how is that? Because that's how God is. God ordained not only the end, but also the means. And so as you cried out to God, he ordained for your prayer to move him. Isn't that glorious? How do you do that? How do you come up with this? You can't. God did. And this is who he is. He's big, isn't he? So praise God for hearing our prayers this week. So strange to stop and contemplate all the details of God's work over the last two weeks. Here's just one little tidbit. Remember the appointment that we had for February 11th? You remember? We didn't want to take that one. The reason why is because we had to wait a month and a half. You understand if we would have waited a month and a half, it's a good possibility that the aneurysm would have busted and it would have been a lot worse and he could have died even. Do you understand that? So that appointment is for February 11th. Guess what? It's the perfect time. You say, why? Because the doctor, the neurologist, and the neurosurgeon know the guy that we have the appointment with and he's the one... He wanted us to have an appointment exactly one month from the day that he finished his surgery. Guess what? That's February 11th. It's as if God said, no, I got it all figured out. It's all there. Don't worry. It's taken care of. God is in providential care of everything. And he just gave me a little glimpse to say, here you go, I love you. Do I know his... His sovereign will? No, I have no clue. Did I pray Monday, please heal him? Yes. But did I also say, whatever your will is, your will be done? Yes. Why? Because God is big and good and he knows what he's doing. He's a lot bigger than me and he can handle it a lot better than I can. And a lot better than you can too. I promise. But what were the biblical miracles? And is this a biblical miracle? No, it's not. Okay, it's not a sign or a wonder. And I'm okay with saying that. It's God's great sovereign work in my child's life, yes. But there's a distinction. A biblical miracle would be more like this. I walk up to my son, I lay my hands on him, I pray for the aneurysm to be gone in the name of Jesus and the doctor goes in to fix it and sees that it's not there anymore. And he couldn't find it anymore. That would fit more along the lines of what the biblical miracle would be. By the way, the way that God often did it was is that he made it so that you could see it right away. He made it so you could see. It's like, okay, that guy can't walk. That guy can walk. Okay, that's supernatural doing some major miracles. 
let's don't water down those signs and wonders, but at the same time, ignore the sovereign providence of God. Both are true. Okay? In Acts chapter 2, what were they seeing? Supernatural signs and wonders, and it caused them to awe. Am I saying less of God? No, I'm actually exalting God more if you listen closely. I'm saying that God has chosen now to reveal himself primarily through his word. And we know that his sovereign hand is working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Beloved, God has revealed himself to us this week through his providential care of my son. It is important to note God is the same God as Acts 2. He just works different now. He's not changed by nature. He just works in different ways at different times. Are you okay with that? I'm okay with that. Does a daddy treat his child the same way every single time for the rest of his life? No. God has done and does things differently at times. Thankful that he doesn't do the flood every time, huh? God providentially works in different ways. So he's still worthy of reverential respect and honor, right? So we do worship him just like they did. We exalt him for who he is. No, I will not claim supernatural miraculous healings for a couple reasons. It will water down the miracles of the Bible meant to confirm and authenticate the special revelation of the apostles. It's so important. I'm not going to make it all about a biblical miracle here because you know what could happen? Do you understand if I wanted to be rich? Do you understand if my goal of my heart right now was to be rich? I could ha- be a millionaire with probably within a couple months. Do you understand that? You know how? My son is healed. I did it. I prayed and he got healed. Follow me. That's what the world, that's what the Word of Faith movement does. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And it distracts us from the true biblical miracles that authenticate the apostles' teaching that tells us what? That the Word of God is sufficient and authoritative and enough. Trust it. How was I ministered to this week? Reading through the Psalms. It's there that my God met me. And He ministered to my soul. Also, it will also make the miracles of the Bible less than what they really were, which were supernatural super acts. If I say that was a biblical miracle, then number one, I say that biblical miracles are these things that works through nature and through a doctor's hand and you can start rationalizing things away there are biblical miracles and they are different do you understand that they are supernatural events when you call down bread from heaven when moses bread was coming that was bread do you understand bread a type of bread a sweet bread or whatever right they ate it That doesn't happen anymore. Do you understand? When he parted the Red Sea, guess what? They walked through a sea. There was a wall of sea on one side and a wall of sea on the other. Contrary to some of the liberals that say it was 
some reeds. They walked through some weedy area, and for some reason, the chariots got stuck, and for some reason, they drowned in the water, but everybody else made it through. Give me a break. It's a miracle. When Jesus raised Lazarus, he raised Lazarus from the dead. That's a biblical miracle. When Peter healed somebody that was hurt, sick, lame, guess what? He was healed. We can't water that down. Third, it will also cause us not to see the full glory of how God is working through his providence. And he is. Take hope in this, ladies and gentlemen. Take comfort in this. Do you understand... God didn't just work in me and Luke and Brenda's life this week. He's working in your life. Do you understand? You, you don't go unnoticed from God. Do you understand? Every little detail that's going on inside your head and all the little details that are happening, they're all part of God's plan. And He's working in you, every one of you. And He's in control of all those details. Don't water it down by making this one biblical miracle and everything else. You know, it's by chance. Maybe God will give us a biblical miracle or not. No, he's working. Praise the Lamb. And finally, it could distract us from the real source of special revelation, which is the Word of God. Look, back to the Word. And I know I'm giving you long stuff here, and I'm not even spending enough time in the Word, so please. You see, this is all of it kind of going in my heart. It's the Word, it's the Word, it's the Word that comforts your soul. It's the Word that you're going to get hope from. It's the Word where you're going to know God. It's the Word. It's not your circumstances or a special event. It's the Word. Study the Bible, please. How did we survive this week? It's the years before that we studied God's sovereignty. Just the same way we survived when Seth died. Do you understand? When my son, when my wife lost our son, our other son, how did we survive? We survived because of the Word of God that revealed the glory of God, not by our understanding of the circumstances. Trust Him who is revealed in the Word of God. Study it. Meditate on it. Pursue Him through the Word. Listen, beloved. God is active in every single action that has happened and is happening and will ever happen. God is working all things together for His glory and our good because the Word says it, because that's His nature. Let me explain something very clear. I believe in some ways it takes more trust to believe in God when he doesn't heal. And the only way you find that is by the word of God. Because God reveals himself as bigger than our circumstances. And bigger than our minds. Our faith in God is primarily produced from God's revelation of himself in the word. My understanding of God comes from God's word, not my interpretation of my circumstances, right? God is good primarily because his word says he is. Not because my son is alive today. Do you understand that? Primarily, he is good. 
God is worthy of fear and respect primarily because God's word reveals him as the one who is worthy of respect and honor. I know you may say, well, you say this because your son is alive today. But folks, I say this because the word of God says so. His word is true. I have to trust in what I know because God has revealed himself there. However, the fear of God was heightened in the early church, right? Back to your Bibles, grab them. That was all application, sorry. But you, do you see, just, just a side note, I'm on all these little pedestals. I'm, what I'm trying to show you, what I want more than anything out of a church, is a church that not, not only knows truth. I want a church that applies truth. And, and here's the key. I want you to apply it correctly. And in order for you to apply it correctly, you best, must know a lot of it. Not just a couple key verses that you hold on to when you're hurting. You've got to dig in. You've got to know the whole picture. You've got to know a lot of the Bible. Because if you don't, you're going to apply it wrong. So we study verse by verse. The fear of God was heightened in the early church by the miracles done by the apostles, and the apostles were doing these signs and wonders. This added to the people's reverential fear, didn't it? Beloved, while we long to return to Pentecost, there are some limitations. The primary limitation is, guess who? Me. Yep, you heard it. Me. Here's the limitation. Me. See, beloved, I'm not an apostle. As much as I would love to say... I speak the perfect inspired word of God. I don't always. Scripture does. And it's my goal to find out what it meant when the apostles wrote it down. I'm convinced that this is a gift that's no longer around. I am not an apostle and there are no longer any apostles. I don't speak special revelation and neither can any of you. Do you understand me? And you might want to argue with me, but I'm sorry. You can't. Because the Bible makes it very clear that these signs and wonders were for from the apostles. That's what it says in our verse. Through the apostles. The apostles were the primary miracle workers. Being an apostle was actually a gift of the Spirit like other spiritual gifts. Notice 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 28 says, Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, Third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. That's very interesting. Those look like gifts, don't they? But yet, there's an apostle mentioned. Maybe, just by chance, apostles are one of the gifts. It is. And so is prophets. If you're a prophet, a biblical prophet, you're a gift. It's a gift. You had the gift of being a prophet. So what does that mean? Well, notice the apostles, prophets, teachers are listed with other gifts and passages. In other passages, we see miracles were a sign of the true apostles. Look at 2 Corinthians 12, 12. The signs of the true apostles were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. Whoa, same words. Hmm. Apostles were a gift. Hmm. 
So this fruit of the Spirit was a special display on Pentecost in the early days of the church. The gift of the apostles and prophets were part of the foundation of the church. Now, we trust in God as His Word reveals Himself. So we see in Acts 2 both direct application to spiritual disciplines, but also some details that are not repeated today, like the apostles doing signs and wonders. I'm sorry if that disappoints you that I'm not an apostle. But I'm not. And all you have to do is listen to my sermons, especially hashtag Facebook, to see that I'm not an apostle. Verse 43. And everyone was doing, by the way, Ephesians 2.20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles, prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. That's the foundation of the church. The gift of the apostles and prophets was the beginning. It's the foundation. So when we look over at Second Acts chapter 2, verse 43, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. So should we feel the same sense of awe? Should we still worship God? Yes. Because we know His glory even more. Because we know He did this because God's Word is true. And we also know that He providentially works today in all things. So we worship Him. We feel a sense of awe because we know Him and His resurrection and His revelation in Scripture In the same way that God expects the people of Israel to pass down the truths of the Exodus to their children and their children's children to produce awe and worship, we much more should teach our children and our children's children that God has done great miracles and saving us through Jesus and His death, burial, and resurrection. So do we see resurrections happening daily? No. But do we still have the same truth to pass down? Yes. And so we glorify Him and we pass it to our children. I know some of you disagree with me on this, but I'm sure we can all agree our best and brightest glimpse of the glory of God is found in the Word of God. Would you not agree with that? And specifically, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you not say that's the glorious display of God in the Bible? Jesus The perfect God-man came to die for sinners like me and you. He died a perfect, holy, righteous son of God. And in the process, the Father judged him. He was placed in the grave and he rose from the dead on the third day. And he deserves worship and praise forever and ever. Amen? Amen? This is why we worship him. Almost immediately in the early church, the enemy sought to counterfeit the miracles and wonders... God was doing. I, 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 I'm, you know, I'll know this completely when I get to heaven, but I'm almost convinced that that's why First and Second Corinthians are written a lot of it. Because of counterfeits. Because some of the good things were being done by counterfeits. And so they couldn't discern what was the truth and what was wrong. Beloved, every morning for the last two weeks, I woke up and reached up and picked up, reached over and picked up my Bible. And from the Psalms, I have been, I have seen a glimpse of the glory of God. I've seen Him define Himself there and reveal Himself to me. I have not allowed my interpretation of my circumstances to define God by grace alone. And I am thankful for His 
for this because God's word is perfect, unlike my interpretation of the events around me. You get that? Please get that. Don't define God by what's going on in your life. Because you will misunderstand who God is. Let the word be the thing that defines who God is. You get that? That's a great rap line, I think. Let the word of God define who God is. Do you understand? Not your thoughts. I'm thankful for this. Because God's word is perfect. Unlike my interpretation of my circumstances. Finally, we see unity and love. And the love of Christ. Look at 44 to 47. And all those who had believed were together. And had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions. And were sharing them with all. As anyone might have need. Day by day continuing with one mind in the temple. And breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Oh, brothers and sisters, notice the dramatic change in the disciples. In Mark 9, 34, But they kept silent, for the, on the way they had discussed which with one another, with one another, which of them was greatest. <laughs> but Jesus had told them in John 13, 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And guess what they did? They didn't. That's what the new covenant does. Then Jesus accomplished the way, right? This is what he did. He loved them to the end. He sacrificed himself and he obeyed perfectly. So that that could be credited to our account. And so that they could then directionally begin to do what he had done. So crucial. I hope you understand that. That's a very hard concept. Jesus accomplished the way to love one another perfectly. He did it. And by the way, that's what God requires from you. Do you hear me, everybody in the room? You are required to love God and love people perfectly. How many of you can do that? Thankfully, nobody raised your hands. How many of you have done that? Trick, trick, trick. Why? Because Christ did it for me. And his love perfected was credited to my account. Praise the Lamb. And so, I now directionally, not perfectly, love because he loved me first. And that's what they do. That's what you see from the church, didn't you? You read these passages? That's the church loving because they've been loved. And it's unity in the love of Christ. So Pentecost unfolds and we see it in 44 to 47. I want to look specifically at the fruit of the Spirit in the early church. There was a unity in love. Unity is impossible in this world, isn't it? Because of the selfishness of human hearts. I find it so ironic sometimes. Competing people come together but they still hate each other. They backbite and stab and do whatever they can to get ahead because that's the world. But in the body of Christ, unity and love is possible. 
because we know the love of Christ. A sacrificial commitment towards one another produces unity. This is what characterizes those who are in Christ. When a person person is saved, they are placed into the spiritual realm of Jesus' reign. So the Spirit begins to control your heart. It begins to push you to sacrificially love other people. Thus, the Spirit begins to work in believers to produce fruit. And that's what we saw in Acts 2, didn't we? When we see those passages, we see the Spirit's hand, don't we? How do they go from arguing over who's the greatest to saying, your will, not mine. You first, not me. I want to serve you, not me. How do they do that? The Holy Spirit of God. I'm all about the Holy Spirit. I'm all about His fruit. How about this one? The fruit of love. That's the one I want to produce. How about you? Notice the characteristics of this unity of love. Unity and love was with the believers. And all those who had believed were together. Literally, those who are believing, those who were the ones who had confessed and repented and trusted in Christ, they were together. They were loving one another. Unity and love was with all the believers. Notice that? All? Is there somebody missing out of the believers? No. All the believers love in Christ. By the way, how do you know if you're not in Christ or you're in Christ? How about this? You love. You sacrificially lay down your life for other people. If you don't, you're not in Christ. Because all the believers love. And all the believers are unified together in Christ. Third, unity and love was expressed by the believers being together. Who had... This is just, this is really interesting. They were together? Wait a second. We can't get together. If we get together, what happens? (laughs) Not our church, praise the Lord. What happens in this world when you put people together? Put us all together in uh, for a long period. And then notice it, it, it implies that it was, they were ongoing together continuously. How many of you can hang out with your brothers and sisters in the Lord for long periods of time? You just want to hang out with them. And when you hang out with them, you just love them, don't you? And you never get irritated at them, do you? You always love them. Even those ones like me that's a little bit strange. How were they together all the time and they had unity and love because the Spirit of God was working? Fourth, unity and love was expressed by the believers having all things in common. And had all things in common? This is truly a shocking statement, isn't it? Let me ask you a question. Do you think all of us in this room have all things in common? Do we? It's called a church. (laughs) In fact... This could be translated, they were continually having all things in common. (laughs) This is an ongoing pattern of their lives, having all things in common. This is accomplished by having the same attention and same attractions. Mark that. Think on this. It's what their attention was on and what their attraction was to. The early church was primarily fixed on the glory of God. Their attraction was to Christ. And it led to them having everything in common. 
What is it that delights your soul? What is it that delights your soul? If it's Jesus, we can have all things in common. If it's yourself, you're on the outside looking in. Oh God, align the desires of my heart with your will. Show me my heart. Lord, help me to delight in you. Oh God, help me to rejoice in you always. And you too, all of you. That's how we have all things in common. This does not mean that everyone was doing the exact same thing every second of the day. Mark that down, please. Because many of you, we, many of you and myself, can find ourselves judging other people if they're not doing exactly what we're doing. You unholy person. Why are you doing that? You watch the football game. Oh, man. I cannot believe you watch that football game. You have a TV in your house? <gasps> Shame on you. You don't have all things in common with me. No, we're missing it there. We're missing it there. Be careful of judging one way or the other because by after all, isn't that a conscience issue with the person? Their attraction can be the same. By the way, I think Wretched TV is pretty awesome. Todd Friel. If you don't get it, you ought to. You ought to watch it. Don't. And I just did not tell you, get cable there. You did not get that. Last week it was Facebook. This week it's cable. No, 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 no. You can go online and get it. Yes, that means you have to have internet. Ah! Go to Starbucks, it's free. And turn it up. Fifth, unity and love was expressed in the believer sacrificially sharing. And they began selling their property and possession and were sharing with them or sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Again, another one of the clearest places of a revelation of a person's heart is their wallet or their purse. What we do with our money and our possessions reveals where our heart is. Do you understand that, ladies and gentlemen? There is such a rebuke here in this to the health, wealth, and prosperity, name it and claim it gospel here. Do you understand? That's not what the early church was about. The early church was not about making the preacher be able to drive a Rolls Royce. The early church was not about that. The prosperity gospel makes life about getting wealthy. And that is not what the early church was about. The early church was about selling everything they had just to provide for the needs of the needy. The true gospel makes life about giving everything away. Do you understand that? I want to be the greatest missionary supporting church in all the world. Right here. That's what I want. I want to support missionaries all over the world. How do we do that? Well, we don't have to have a giant building. And Pastor Mike doesn't have to have a Rolls Royce. How do we have to have a Lexus? I can have a Chevy Aveo and be okay with it. Now I can't buy that truck, Bren. I love it. God holds us accountable, then. It's good stuff. What it's about is 
Jesus. Getting the gospel out to the world, right? The early church was a sharing church and it was an ongoing pattern for their lives. Y'all hanging in there? I really want to finish Acts, too, if you're all okay with that. Just give me two more minutes, five more minutes. Five more minutes. (laughs) Unity and love was expressed by the believers continuing with one mind. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. Brothers and sisters, that is an ongoing thing we're pursuing. Listen, if you're coming to church one time a week, I would please, I advise you, I would call you to be more involved. Not out of legalism. I'm not trying to say if you don't do it, you're, you know, in blatant sin. I don't know where your heart is. But please, ladies and gentlemen, we want you to be a part of the fellowship. We want you to be interacting with people. We want to pray for it with you. And here on Sunday mornings, we ain't hearing a lot from you. We need to hear from you. Come to church. Come to the Bible studies. There's several of them all week long. There's Sunday night service. Okay? There's systematic. Come, please. Continue in one, with us in one mind, with one mind. Unity and love was expressed by the believers formally and informally in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were breaking bread together. Eighth, unity and love was expressed by the believers with joy and humility. That's verse 46, look. And they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. That's literally with humility of heart. They loved the Lord their God with all their heart, their mind, and their soul, and they loved their neighbor as themselves. Beloved, this is what the new covenant looks like lived out. Together. Pursuing the gospel. Loving one another. Serving one another. Doing the one another's. That's what it's about. Praising God and having favor with all men. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day. Those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father thank you for your word. Thank you for how you are working in our lives. Lord we need you. We trust you. We worship you. For you have shown your glory in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know this gospel, has not received this gospel, may today be the day that your spirit works in their heart and causes them to see their sin and need of a Savior. Please, God, grant repentance. We cry out to you for this salvation, the salvation of souls. Hallelujah. Please save. Praise the Lord. Hosanna. God, we need you. We pray that you will work in us and cause us to see your glory more and more every day as we pursue you in your word. God, show us your glory daily, not just on Sundays. Help us to pursue you, God. Be our attraction. Be our satisfaction. Be our delight. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.